Egyptian historians to have been put in a dark room, which was barricaded like the cage of a wild animal. The story runs that food was passed through the bars to the child, who survived in spite of the accumulated filth of his surroundings. Robespierre visited Marie-Thérèse on the 11th of May, but no one, according to the legend, entered the Dauphin's room for six months until Barras visited the prison after the ninth Thermidor, July 27, 1794. Barras's account of the visit describes the child as suffering from extreme neglect, but conveys no idea of the alleged walling in. It is nevertheless certain that during the first half of 1794 he was very strictly secluded. He had no special guardian, but was under the charge of guards changed from day to day. The child made no complaint to Barras of his treatment, probably because he feared to do so. He was then cleansed and reclothed, his room cleaned, and during the day he was visited by his new attendant, a creole and a compatriot of Joséphine de Beauharnay, named Jean-Jacques Christophe Laurent, 1770-1807, who had from the 8th of November onwards assistance for his charge from a man named Gaumin. The child was now taken out to walk on the roof of the tower. From about the time of Gaumin's entrance, the prisoner was inspected, not by delegates of the Commune, but by representatives of the civil committee of the 48 sections of Paris. The rare recurrence of the same inspectors would obviously facilitate fraud, if any such were intended. From the end of October onwards, the child maintained an obstinate silence, explained by Laurent as a determination taken on the day he made his deposition against his mother. On the 19th of December, 1794, he was visited by three commissioners from the Committee of General Security, J.B. Armand de la Meuse, J.B.C. Mathieu, and J. Reverchon, who extracted no word from him. On Laurent's retirement, Étienne Lagne was appointed on the 31st of March, 1795, to be the child's guardian. In May, 1795, the prisoner was seriously ill, and a doctor, P.J. Dizel, well acquainted with the Dauphin, having visited him seven months earlier, was summoned. Dizot died suddenly, not without suspicion of poison, on the 1st of June, and it was some days before doctors Peloton and Dumongin were called. Then it was announced that on the 8th, Louis Charles died. The next day an autopsy was held at which it was stated that a child apparently about ten years of age, which the commissioners told us was the late Louis Capet's son, had died of a scrofulous affection of long standing. He was buried on the 10th in the cemetery of Sainte Marguerite, but no stone was erected to mark the spot. The weak parts of this story are the sudden and unexplained departure of the Simons, the subsequent useless cruelty of treating the child like a wild beast and keeping him in a dark room, practically out of sight, unless any doubt of his identity was possible, while his sister was in comparative comfort. The cause of death declared to be of long standing, but in fact developed with such rapidity, the insufficient excuse provided for the child's muteness under Gourmain's regime, he had answered Barras, and the irregularities in the formalities in attending the death and the funeral, when a simple identification of the body by Marie-Thérèse would have prevented any question of resuscitated dauphins. Both Barras and Armand de la Meuse are said to have given leave for the brother and sister to see each other, but the meeting was never permitted. The argument from the sudden disappearance of persons in a position to know something of the truth is of a less convincing character.
It may be noted that the more famous of the persons alleged by partisans of subsequent pretenders to have been hustled out of the world for their connection with the secret are the Empress Josephine, the Duc d'Anguin, and the Duc de Berry. Immediately on the announcement of the Dauphin's death, there arose a rumour that he had escaped. Simeon Despréaux, one of Louis XVIII's own authors, stated at a later period, 1814, that Louis XVII was living, and that among the signatories of the Treaty of April the 13th were some who possessed proofs of his existence, and Eckhart, one of the mainstays of the official account, left among his unpublished papers a statement that many members of an assembly of our wise men obstinately named Louis the Seventeenth as the prince whom their wishes demanded. Unfortunately, the removal of the child suited the plans of the Comte de Provence, now Louis the Eighteenth for the émigré, as well as it suited the...